It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? Matt Perino here with Ryan Talbot coming to you on the final day of the NFL regular season. And the Buffalo Bills finish things out in, I'm going to say, shocking fashion, Ryan. I mean, it didn't matter what they were doing in this game today. Everything went right offensively, defensively, special teams. We're going to get into all of that. The Bills take out the Dolphins 56-26. to Um the first time ever that a Bills offense has gone over 500 yards in a season. Um, I think the closest was in you know a 460 range. I, I had it up earlier today. Um, just an absolute, you know, let's call it what it is, a butt whooping in, in Bills <laughs> Stadium to close out this this um, season. And uh, we're the Shout Football Podcast. If you're joining us right now, I just drove home from the stadium. It was a, a, a crazy and chaotic uh, finish to the not to the game, but you know, with everything going on in, in the four o'clock hour, uh, on through the the afternoon games with the Bills playoff seating, we're gonna get into that as well. Trying to get out a bunch of stories, it's been crazy. Uh, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. We're gonna talk about all things Bills today and into the playoffs. He's Ryan Talbot. Whoo! What do you think about that game? You're you're right. That game was wild, and here's why it's wild. The Bills decide to rest Trey White, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. They're without Cole Beasley. And let's be honest, Buffalo's first three, four series, they looked like they were playing in mud. They, they weren't moving the ball well. They were pretty ineffective. And it kind of just like, okay, this is just like the offense coming out for a few series. And then something just clicked. And, and once it clicked, it, they were off and running, and they never looked back. And, and, you know, not trying to kick the Dolphins while they're down, but what an embarrassing performance where you you can clinch a playoff berth with a win, knowing that you're, the Bills are going to probably be resting their starters for half the game. And this is the type of performance that you roll out. And now they're, they're done. Their season is officially over after all the other games played out. It was a wild game. We, we saw outstanding performances from Isaiah McKenzie, Antonio Williams, and a few others, which we'll get into. And now, Matt, most of all, we know who the Bills are playing on Wild Card Weekend. What a devastating offense this has to be to prepare for and play against because it doesn't matter where you look on the depth chart at wide receiver. It is a player that can have a game-changing impact every time Josh Allen goes back to pass. And I want to start with, well, first of all, let's get it out of the way. Seven catches, 64 yards. Uh, Stephon Diggs go, goes over 1,500 yards on the season. He's going to end up leading the NFL in receptions and receiving yards in his first year in Buffalo, a team with uh, Josh Allen. What a season that he's had. We'll talk about him, obviously. Uh, but Isaiah McKenzie, and this is something we talked about on the podcast last week with Cole Beasley going out, who steps into that role? And I think that over the course of this season, because, you know, 
fans have gotten so used to Isaiah McKenzie in that gadget role that, you know, uh, uh, jet sweeps and trick plays and all this kind of stuff. They forget that the skill set that this guy has as a, as a playmaker. And, you know, I asked him today in the postgame press conference, and I'm going to write about it this week, maybe tomorrow uh, for Syracuse.com and New York Upstate about what he's been doing while he's been waiting for this chance that he got today and six, six uh, catches, 65 yards, two receiving touchdowns. First of all, the second receiving touchdown was an absolute dime by Josh Allen who patiently waited. And he did, he, it, it was a free play. So he wasn't worried about getting sacked or throwing an interception, but basically leaned back through back across, not back across his body, but he wanted to go left and he kind of saw, saw McKenzie kind of come breaking open and, and kind of just like floated it. You know, uh, it was just unbelievable pass. Like I, I, I sat there and watched as, as he threw that ball and I was like the confidence that you have to have to make that catch. But I want to talk specifically about McKenzie because he is such a vital part of what makes this offense so special because they have guys that they can plug in and play right away there it's almost like they don't they don't skip a beat john brown misses you know six five games and they figure out a way to still be um dangerous and today was just unbelievable i thought that going into this game miami had the number one ranked uh scoring defense in the nfl allowing 19 points uh a game 18.8 the bills put up 28 in the first half 26 percent uh ben uh albright uh covers the broncos out in denver nfl insider he tweeted out an unbelievable eye-popping stat the 26 percent of the dolphins uh surrendered points in 2020 have come at the hands of josh allen and the buffalo bills this is a offense that has to scare every defense in these playoffs afc and nfc included yeah, you know, you just have to hope that the Bills carry this momentum into the playoffs. We've, we've seen this sometimes. We saw it with Baltimore last year, for instance, a team that was uh, firing all cylinders, and when it came to playoff time, they, they delivered a dud. Now, I'm not expecting that, but the way that they're playing right now is scary for any team that they're facing along the way, and, and obviously we have the Indianapolis Colts to talk about here uh, in a few minutes, but Isaiah McKenzie steps in with Cole Beasley out of the way uh, with, with an, a knee injury, and you're right, he has the game of his career two touchdowns receiving a punt return he's getting open he talked about the receivers in that room giving him confidence and, and talking about how good of a player he is and he looked the part on Sunday the the Dolphins had no answers for him he, he had quite a bit of separation especially on that second touchdown uh that he scored along the way John Brown comes in doesn't miss a beat uh you can see that Allen and, and Brown are on the same page and they, they kind of uh finish it off with a nice touchdown pass long touchdown pass right before halftime buffalo is going to be scary and here's here's the the scariest part they're only going to get better there is a chance cole beasley is back in time for wildcard weekend and kenny stills will you know reportedly be signing here most likely i would assume tomorrow so we can start practicing with the team immediately so now you're taking this loaded wide receiver room this unit that uh, Gabriel Davis, long bomb uh, from Matt Barkley in, in the game too, and a great game. You're taking this wide receiver room that's playing at a high level, and you're just adding more weapons uh, come wildcard weekend possibly. You know, one thing I'll say, though, that's different, and you you probably agree with this, for this this offense and what was going on with the Baltimore Ravens last year is the Baltimore Ravens really were like the success of their offense was predicated on, on Lamar Jackson's ability to run the ball. 
And I think that what the Bills have going for them is that they can beat you when Josh is running or Josh is throwing. I mean, he really hasn't even had to run this year. And I think obviously there's some uh, concern about the lack of a run game. They haven't really had to use it. They, you know, Deion Dawkins, I think said it best today is like, you know, we're, we play to kill is what he said. That, I mean, I'm paraphrasing there. I think that was close to the quote. You know, they, they, they know who they are. They come out and they pass the ball and there's so many different ways where, you know, Josh Allen can can feed Stephon Diggs and and that can open things up for a Gabriel Davis or an Isaiah McKenzie or Cole Beasley or now John Brown who who connects in the 32 yard touchdown pass today. Um, something interesting that stuck out to me from post game with Josh Allen. He was talking about the fact that the Bills on offense really understand who they are as as an offense. They know what their identity is. And part of that identity is a confidence that when they get into a rut, when they have a slow start out of the gates, and we saw that today, those first two series, they look lethargic, I wrote. I thought that it was a combination of, you know, obviously going up against a good defense, the Miami Dolphins, but also a situation where you probably don't want to put too much on tape if you're Brian Dable, especially given the fact that there was a scenario that could have played out where the Dolphins could have lost or won and the Bills would have played them again next week in the wildcard round. So I think you want to be a little bit judicious. And then Josh Allen kind of revealed that, you know, those first two series weren't going well and Brian Dable went back to and gave Josh Allen the plays that he likes. Um, and, and he started spreading the ball around and they were moving the ball down the field, started feeding Stefan Diggs a little bit more. And so I think from that perspective, this is such a difficult team offense to handle because even when you're having success, they're one play, one piece of success away from getting it going. And they've gotten it going in different times in different games all season long. Yeah, th- this is like going against the Kansas City Chiefs for opposing teams. The, the, you can play, you can get out to a slow start, and all of a sudden, it just takes one series for them to really get things going, and that's what you saw today. You saw Stefan Diggs get involved, John Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis. You, you saw players that you weren't even probably on your radar in the second half, like in Antonio Williams. This team has playmakers. This team has an offensive line that is uh, blocking extremely well, especially, obviously, with that starting unit in terms of pass protection. So this is just one of those matchup nightmares for any team that comes in along the way. And, you know, the Colts have a very talented defense. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that during the week, obviously, during our pre uh, preview show and on our Wednesday show as well. But they're going to have trouble matching up with, with all of Buffalo's weapons with their secondary. It's going to be a really interesting battle. But I just think that Buffalo, you know, coming in, they're on a roll and they're going to be really tough to slow down in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think the key to giving the Bills trouble is having getting your running game going and then having the ability to, you know, have playmakers that can make the make plays down the field. I mean, you saw earlier this season, I mean, the the blueprint was kind of written by the Kansas City Chiefs the way they ran it. Travis Kelsey had himself a game, I think it was two touchdowns in that game. You know, but the problem for even the Chiefs now is that the Bills are healthy on defense and you saw it today. You saw even with Tredavious White out of the lineup, and it was Tua. And listen, we've both talked about the the limitations of Tua Tagovailoa in this in this in this offense, and maybe even we could talk about this in a little while. Some concern if you're the Miami Dolphins about trusting Tua with your long term, you know, uh, future of your franchise. I mean, the 
the Dolphins have uh, the number three overall pick. They're they're going to have a real decision on their hands this offseason with a lot of different um, options at their disposal. Maybe trading up, maybe taking one of the three quarterbacks. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, I just think that you. This was a game where this defense just inflicted their will on a young quarterback and in a and an offense that just doesn't really scare anybody. They turn the ball over, and that's what this Bills defense wants to be: attack oriented, take the ball away. Um, you're getting some comments uh, on the C in Buffalo. It's going to be chilly shirt. Shout <laughs> out to Steve Tasker. That was a legendary uh, video. So I, I feel like you had you had to grab the the Steve Tasker shirt and wrap it on the show. Yeah, absolutely. He's a legend guy. He takes the time to talk to us a little bit too. So great video. Want want to kind of uh, represent him here and, and give him a little bit of a shout out. But yeah, like like you were saying, you saw Buffalo's blueprint today. Score a bunch of points, make teams one dimensional, make them have to throw against you, and then you benefit from the turnovers. You're going to see that same game plan against the Colts. You, you're going to see Josh Allen slinging the ball over the field and and. You know, Buffalo's hoping they can get out and, and build a little bit of a lead because the one thing that the Colts do extremely well is run the ball. If you can make them more one-dimensional, make it so you can't be giving Jonathan Taylor 30 carries, so you can't get Naheem Hines uh, involved, although he's more of a, the pass-catching option, so he could be in that scenario. That will play to your strengths. Phillip Rivers, at this point in his career, is not a guy that, you know, you would think could single-handedly win you a game. And if it becomes a, a shootout, between Josh Allen and Phillip Rivers, I think people are going to take Josh Allen every single day of the week. So Buffalo is going to have to come out, play fast, and they're going to have to stop the run early or at least limit the run early because if Jonathan Taylor gets going and they can they keep up with the Bills in that regard, holding the ball, limiting Buffalo's offensive possessions, we could be in for a ball game this weekend. You know, let's talk a little bit about Tua here because uh, I see a comment like there's no need to move on. Listen. Tua at this stage right now, you know, there's potential for growth, no doubt about it. You know, getting thrown into your rookie season with no uh, preseason uh, off-season um, off work in, in the spring, training, a, a real training camp, there was always going to be limitations for a lot of these rookies. But you look around the league and the success that Joe Burrow had and the success that Justin Herbert has, sometimes there's a little bit of you know, an it factor. And I go back to Josh Allen's rookie season. Like, look at some of the plays that he made. I mean, you obviously bring up the, uh, the, uh, uh, what was it in, in the Minnesota game where he, the hurdle, uh, mm -hmm. over Anthony Barr, the, the touchdown pass to, to Robert Foster in the Jacksonville game. There were moments that you take from that game where, for from his rookie season where you say, you know, there's there's potential there. If 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 the good plays can kind of be uh somehow expanded upon. I've watched a lot of Tua this season and I had concerns about his mechanics and hit and the the lack of quickness in his mechanics at this level because it's such a quick game and the the speed of the game I think is something that's overwhelming to young players. And I just, I don't see it with Tua. I'm not going to sit here and say, covering a team that has Josh Allen, who has developed into the quarterback that he has, that it's impossible or that um, it, Tua can't become a good quarterback in this league. But I think it's going to be a long road. And if you think that there's a guy that you can get in this draft that is a home run, can't miss player, 
You might have to consider it if you're the Miami Dolphins. That's all I'm saying. You might have to make a hard decision a la maybe an Arizona Cardinals. That's a different situation. They took Josh Rosen at 12, uh, 12, 10, 12, somewhere in that range. He was the fourth quarterback taken in that draft. So it's a completely different situation. But this is a quarterback-driven league, and if you don't believe in Tua after now a pretty decent sample size in year one, the Miami Dolphins have a decision to make this offseason. Yeah, and like you said, they have a top three pick thanks to the the Houston Texans here. And, you know, there's Justin Fields. There's Zach Wilson. There's some quarterbacks that are appealing options at, at minimum. And, you know, like you said, Brian Flores has seen a large sample size. So he might say, okay, I have my reservations about this guy. I've benched him twice in season. I benched him in the Broncos game. I benched him in the Raiders game. I didn't have that faith in him to deliver because of the way he played now. He had a great game against the Chiefs. He had a, a few other good games mixed in there, and he is a rookie. So the people in the comments saying, oh, come on, he's not going, they're not going to give up on this guy yet. Very good chance that they don't. But if there's someone that establishes themselves behind Trevor Lawrence, obviously, as a, a prospect that looks like a, a can't miss guy or he has all the intangibles that you're looking for, why wouldn't you at least consider it? It's something that has to be in play. Yeah, you could you can go out and get him a, a top tier wide receiver. You could get him uh, more protection on the line. You could go defense. But at the end of the day, they already have some weapons there in Devonte Parker and the, and Mike Gusecki. And I'm not saying that's enough to uh, be a Super Bowl contender by any means. But it wasn't until late in the game that he was finally throwing downfield to Parker and connecting with him a few times. Some really nice balls along the sidelines uh, at times there he's he's tentative he's throwing it short or maybe that's the game plan but so many throws today were just drop-offs little things dinking and dunking and, and sometimes they move down the field with, with some success but as the bills kept building up their lead you couldn't sustain you couldn't stay in the game with those types of drives because it takes a lot of time off the clock and you need those you need that quarterback that can hit the big play it, you know uh right before halftime Buffalo calls a timeout, gets the ball back, and you see Josh Allen, two long passes to get him down to about the 30-yard line uh, right away. And sure enough, they connect it shortly thereafter with another touchdown. You need a player like that in today's NFL, someone that you can have a minute and a half on the clock and say, or even a minute on the clock before halftime and say, we're going to go for a touchdown here. Not even, not just a field goal. We're going for a touchdown because we have that much faith in this guy. So is that to a, I don't know. I like you said, there's enough sample size out there to say maybe he's not that guy. Maybe he doesn't have the NFL arm. But that's not a decision that's up to us. Luckily, it's up to Brian Flores, and he has to decide whether or not Tua can hang with the Josh Allens of the world for the next decade plus in the AFC East. Well, who the Bills are going to have to hang with is going to be the Indianapolis Colts in the opening round of the playoffs. And we watched a absolutely crazy uh, game in Tennessee that ended up deciding it. If had Tennessee lost that game to the Houston Texans that went down to the wire, it would have been Tennessee coming to Buffalo, uh, losing uh, the division and uh, obviously uh, a, a host of different matchups. But as it stands right now, the Ravens will play the Titans at the Titans. The Browns will play at the Steelers and the uh, Colts will play at the Bills. Let's start with our first impression. We're not getting too deep into this game, but I do, you know, this is something that we've been talking about. We talked about the Browns a bit. We talked about uh, the Miami Dolphins as a potential playoff op opponent. 
Philip Rivers and this Indianapolis Colts team is going to come in here, eleven win football team with some intriguing matchups. They, they, I think that their defense is probably better than their offense, but they, since T.Y. Hilton's come back, it seems like they have a more, uh, you know, more weapons to beat you. Jonathan Taylor coming on, obviously, in the second half of the season. What are your impressions of this match? Your first impressions. First impressions, it's going to be another chess match between Josh Allen and a top-tier defense. Now, we've seen Allen uh, pick apart the Dolphins twice now, uh, the 49ers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Rams, you name it. He's had his way with a lot of these top defenses, but he hasn't gone against the Colts yet. So the Colts could come out with a really good game plan. Maybe they're the team that that has a game plan that truly slows him down a little bit, but it, it's yet to be seen. On the other side of the ball, it's all about making the, the Colts have to pass the ball. Now, like you said, they have weapons. They have T.Y. Hilton. Uh, they have a, a talented young wide receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. And, and obviously, they have a, a fantastic running back in Jonathan Taylor and a pass-catching option in Naheem Hines. This is not a team uh, that I think fans are going to expect the Bills to come in here and blow out necessarily. And they shouldn't. Playoffs any given Saturday or Sunday – uh, these teams can show up, but I, I just like the overall matchup in terms of who they could have played when it got down to the wire between the Colts and, and uh, the Titans. I kind of sat there and I said, okay, which quarterback would I not want to see if I were the Bills next weekend? A and at the end of the day, Tannehill is playing head and shoulders. I, I mean, significant level better than Phillip Rivers. So you want that team where if you can get a lead, you can build a lead, and you can make Rivers have to throw the ball a lot. I think the Bills can create some turnovers in that matchup. You know, I'm looking at you know the the one real pass uh, passing team that the the Colts have played this season, and it was a game against the uh, Green Bay Packers where it was Rivers versus Aaron Rodgers, and it was a, it was a bit of a shootout. Uh, the Colts ended up winning 34 to 31 in overtime. A uh, really good game, but looking at Aaron Rodgers' stats, I mean, 27 to 38, 311 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. I mean, this defense is good, but they they do have a little bit uh, of bend but don't break, if you will. Now, uh, I'm looking through their defense because I know that um, DeForest Buckner missed a few games. He did play in this one. Uh, that's to me the matchup, and we'll, we'll, I, I'm really excited to get. Uh, a lot of their games on this week, you know, starting tomorrow and really kind of dive into their season and look at, you know, how they've had the success that they have. Uh, they're 11 win football team. I mean, they're, they're much improved. I think Frank Reich has done a really good job. They brought in Phillip rivers and there was a little bit of a slow start there for the Indianapolis Colts, which with rivers kind of turned it on as the, as halfway through the season hit. Um, but DeForest Buckner is a guy, a chaos creating, interior defensive lineman, that three-tech role that can kind of force, rush the passer, stop the run. We saw the impact that Chris Jones had last year. We saw the impact that uh, Buckner had last year in the Super Bowl for the 49ers against Patrick Mahomes and that uh, Kansas City offense. He's a guy that really pops to me that they're going to have to really do their due diligence on this week, and and the preparation has to be strong. That means that Josh Allen's going to get have to get the ball out of his hands very quickly. And but I do again, I go back to the weapons they have. They have the weapons to beat almost any type of defensive scheme or or um, amount of playmakers on defense because of not only the playmakers that they have, but the protection that Josh Allen is getting the, the biggest key to, I think the sustained success, no matter who's in, 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 in and out of the lineup at receiver has been the continuity built 
over the course of the last month and a half since John Feliciano returned, got him, uh, got got Mitch Morse healthy. And, and figured out that Ike Butker was an upgrade over Brian Winters. You've landed on a five that I think, at least in pass protection, has really asserted itself as, you know, a top-tier offense, pass-protecting offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, Miami had some success early today. Van Ginkle got in on a, on a blitz. They sent some heat early. Van and Ginkle. Love Van that Ginkle. name. Had a really good, yeah, had a good game for them. One of the, the highlights for the, the Dolphins in that matchup. And, and Allen took a sack. He took a few hits. But then that unit, you know, they, they kind of got together. They they figured things out. And then Allen, like you said, had a lot of time to throw. He was patient with it. There were a few times where he held it, you know, long. And at the last possible second with pressure bearing down, he got rid of it. So that would be more on him holding the ball for an extended period of time. This offensive line has fared very well in pass protection. They're going to have to be at their best, obviously, on Saturday or Sunday against the Colts. But if they can hold up in pass protection, there's no reason that Josh Allen won't have success throwing the ball over the field, putting up points for this team, and at worst, getting themselves into a shootout of sorts. And again, if you're in a shootout, I'm taking Josh Allen over most quarterbacks in this league at this point in time. Yeah, I think the Bills will have some success uh, as good as an offensive line, especially interior that that the Colts have, getting pressure on him, coming up with a, a way to get – uh, make him really uncomfortable in the pocket. That could lead to some turnovers. But we're not going to get too far into the weeds on that game. We've got a whole week to break that down. Uh, we were going to talk more. We're going to be with you for a while. Um, we're probably not going to make it till the announcement of the the time and day. So if you're looking for that, uh, it usually comes out around halftime of the Sunday night football game. Uh, definitely keep it locked, locked on to Syracuse.com. We'll have that then. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk more Bills. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. All right, so um, let's get into the secondary a little bit because we saw something interesting today. Tredavious White was obviously held out of the game. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison uh, basically given the day off rest up for the playoffs, which meant Levi Wallace and Josh Norman started the game. And and as the game progressed, it was kind of like a rotation. They brought in Dane Jackson, uh, kind of worked him into a rotation with the three of them. And they kind of took, took turns in, in, in different um, uh, series. And my big takeaway from the three of them, first of all, Josh Norman with a pick six. I mean, this guy, I will give him credit when he came to Buffalo and he signed with Buffalo and had his first press conference a few months later. One of the things he said is he brings a turnover mentality with him. And if you take his, his sample size of snaps, it's not very big. Uh, I think he's, I don't even think, I don't even know if he's had a start. I'll have to look that up. Um, he came in for Levi Wallace and I think he did end up starting the next week and got hurt. Um, got a fump, that big fumble in the, uh, fumble recovery in the, or forced fumble in the Raiders game. And then today a pick six on Tua Tagovailoa. It was a bad throw and uh, uh, it looked like the receiver tripped and, but he made the play and ran it back for a touchdown. And that's, that's big. If you can get Josh Norman playing confident football at this, at this time of year, that's huge. But the, the big thing here is Ryan Dane Jackson. Every time this guy steps on the football field and is given an opportunity this season, I think it's three games now he's making plays. Yeah. First, first with Josh Norman, he also started in that Tennessee game because Trey White was uh, injured right. in that. But today, even on the passes where Devontae Parker hauled in balls, 
Josh Norman was right there. He was he had some tight coverage, and he almost had a second turnover on a turnover on downs. I thought that was a really ticky-tack uh, pass interference penalty that, that kept the Dolphins in that game a little bit early. Uh, obviously came back, though, with, with the pick six shortly thereafter, like you said, so he's playing pretty good football entering the playoffs. Uh, we haven't had to say Levi Wallace's name in a while, and when you don't say a cornerback's name, that's usually a good thing. But, yeah, Dane Jackson breaking up passes, getting his hands in there, uh, making multiple plays, every single opportunity that he gets. Now, here's the the nice thing about the playoffs. If the Bills want to elevate Dane Jackson for every playoff game, they can do it, and they don't have to worry about the ra- waiver process and, and possibly losing him to another team. That That's some uh, rule that they're enforcing here in the playoffs. So if they do want to get him back out there and, and add some extra depth to that back end and say, you know, just in case something happens with one of our cornerbacks, it's it's a foolproof plan at this point. Uh, the guy's played well in, in all of his opportunities, so it, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he is someone that is elevated next week on wildcard weekend. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. And I think w- one of the, the coolest things, if you're a bills fan on Dane Jackson, I know that there's a big, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a Dane Jackson hive out there that are just clamoring. I got uh, one gentleman who I'm very appreciative of, of his engagement. And he always, tw- t- uh, he DMs me during the games usually uh, with thoughts and, and, and ideas and different things like that. And uh, he is, a, he, he wants Dane Jackson playing, over Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, and I and I understand that. But what a what I think is is cool if you're a Bills fan is you might have CB two of the future on your roster right now. And you know you look at that at that draft next year and where the Bills are going to be drafting and kind of what they want to do. Maybe you can be a little bit mobile and, and go after a, a game changing pass rusher. Or maybe if you're not able to re-sign Matt Milano, and I know. That's a you know a scary thought for some Bills fans that really want that deal to get done. You can maybe find his replacement early in the draft, first or second round, and um, I think there's a lot of options. And I think one of the things that you do know is your front office, led by Brandon Bean, which is going to look probably a lot different come draft time because of all of the potential hires outside of the organization. They've proven to be able to um, recognize talent find talent, bring it, draft them and, and develop them. And that's, that's huge. And, and, and Dane Jackson in this season, a seventh round draft pick to be able to play at the level that he's played in the three opportunities he's given, he's been given. That's a slam dunk, huge, fine, huge get. And, and they still have depth everywhere you look. I mean, Cam Lewis is a guy we don't even talk about anymore, but when he was given an opportunity, he played pretty well too. Yeah, the Bills have depth at cornerback. They suddenly have maybe a, a, a third running back option in Antonio Williams next oh, year. Oh, get, get, get after it, Ryan. That's yeah, your guy. I know. I, I, hyped him, I hyped him up today in our little uh, Zoom session with, with uh, some Bills fans. Uh, you have an option there. You know, this team has done a really good job of finding talent. Look at day three of this draft. You have Gabriel Davis. You have Tyler Bass. You have Dane Jackson, and then undrafted free agents, you had Reggie Gilliam. You add an Antonio Williams. They're hitting not only late in the draft, but shortly thereafter. And then there's some unknowns. Who knows what Isaiah Hodgins brings to the wide receiver room next year? Who knows if Jake Fromm uh, can take on a number two quarterback job You know, down the road here after we, we saw Matt Bitcoin Barkley throwing some bombs today. Uh, but they're drafting well, not just early on in these drafts, but they're hitting picks late. And that is the sign of a great regime. That's a sign of a team that can contend for a long period of time. 
Indeed. I'm just uh, taking it through the comments here. If you have every, anything you'd like us to hit on, please drop it, uh, drop it right in the comment section. We will answer questions, talk about anything that you guys would like to talk about. I mean, are you surprised at all, Ryan? Uh, we, we sat in the press box today and that's one of the cool thing about the home games. Uh, we're not trapped. We haven't been traveling this season. The hope is that we will uh, in, in the case of a road playoff game and potentially Super Bowl. Uh, I don't even think that's a jinx type of thing anymore. I mean, you do these power rankings every week. We talked about this again on the Zoom chat this morning. The Bills are pretty much, I think, considered in the same tier with the Chiefs now. It's not a Chiefs and everybody else. I think it's the Chiefs and the Bills and everybody else. And and some people are even kind of pushing the Bills past the Chiefs a little bit. Yeah, they were number one on Pro Football Talks uh, power rankings last week. They're in the top three or four in just about every single power rankings it's pretty much Chiefs and Bills. Then you have the, the Packers and the Saints as your top four. And looking at those NFC teams, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers can take over any game, any point in time. But I would think that the Bills and the Chiefs match up pretty well with both of those NFC teams. We, we saw how well the, the Bills fared this year against the uh, NFC West. And we, we've seen them show up against a lot of these top defenses and, and top teams in the league all season. So, the, the Bills do belong in that conversation with the Chiefs as one of that the upper echelon or the top teams in this league based on how they've played, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I saw I saw a comment in here that the according to ESPN stats and info, I believe um, the Bills hanging fifty on the Dolphins is the first time in NFL history a number one ranked scoring defense has allowed 50 or more points in a game. So, I mean, that's just it. And listen, the Bills put up 28 in the first half and went on to continue the barrage with, you know, Antonio Williams, uh, who I think really uh, stepped up. They brought in Brian Winters. They brought in Ryan Bates, who went to left tackle. So you take out John Feliciano and Deion Dawkins and you, you expect there to be a drop off. And I thought line play was pretty consistent. And I think line play is even more important for a guy like Matt Barkley, who doesn't have the mobility of a Josh Allen and who, you know, could be a sitting duck back there at times. He was able to make some throws. He made some big plays. Gabriel Davis is, you know, Gabriel Davis is that is quietly put together just an absolutely outstanding rookie season, fourth round draft pick, seven touchdowns, second on the team behind Stefan Diggs, who went into the first position with those three touchdown uh, catches against the Patriots. Um, this is crazy. And, you know, John Brown adds a completely new dynamic. And he looked the big thing takeaway for me today on him. He looked healthy. He looked like he was running well. He was cutting well that we haven't seen in since September. Yeah. Before we went on the IR, he was almost a decoy out there on the field. He was running short routes. He, he wasn't stretching the field, which is, you know, some of the things that he does extremely well. It was just, you know, little outs and cuts and short gains. You saw it today. He, he went down the field and he, he went right by the Dolphins defender. He was cutting well. He was uh, moving well in the on the field. So that stint on the IR and then obviously it was uh, extended a little bit when he was added on to the reserve COVID list uh, last week as a close contact. That time off obviously did him well for the, those lower body injuries that he was uh, playing with throughout a lot of the season. And if you have him at 100%, you have Stefan Diggs. We, we talked about this earlier in the show. If you have all these weapons, and then you add a Kenny Stills and, and possibly a uh, Cole Beasley to the gang again here come playoff time, I don't know how opposing teams and defenses can 
stop them consistently. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the ideal path to the Super Bowl for the Bills? Like, do you think that who, like, if you're ranking teams, like, okay, I don't want to see this team to, this is the team I'd, I'd most like to play. Where are you landing on that? Are the Chiefs still that number one team that you think is the toughest challenge? Or do you see a team like a Baltimore or a Tennessee or um, whoever as maybe somebody that, you know, could give the Bills a hard time? I still have the Chiefs as that that first team that would give them the most problems just because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and uh, he can pull a big play out of nowhere. You know, they have a good running game with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The defense has improved from last season's Super Bowl team. So they're definitely the scariest. But if you look at, at how things play out, let's just say Pittsburgh can can beat the Browns next weekend. Uh, definitely a possibility. You, you could get the Colts, and if you can defeat the Colts, then you you would get the Steelers because uh, they would be the three seed, and obviously the lowest seed would be going on to play against the, the Chiefs in the second round. And then all of a sudden, you could be setting yourself up for that matchup with the Chiefs. So there's a path for the Bills to, to get there. Now, obviously, they have to take care of their own business. Uh, I've said it a few times already in this podcast, any given Saturday or Sunday, the Colts aren't just going to come in here and lay down and let the Bills steamroll over them. They're, they're trying to win uh, a Super Bowl trophy as well. So uh, it's not going to be easy, but there's a path for Buffalo. And, and in terms of those other teams you mentioned, yeah, Baltimore uh, and Tennessee are both playing at a, a high level right now, especially Baltimore winning their last five games, looking more like the, the team uh, that we saw last season. So I don't want to say it's almost unfortunate that one of those teams is going to get knocked out next week, but one of those teams, you know, Buffalo or Kansas City is not going to have to worry about because they are going head to head. Uh, so that, you know, of those AFC games, that might be the premier matchup, a rematch from last year where the Titans pulled off maybe what was considered a shocking upset at that point. Uh, same thing this year. One of those teams are going home with, with both teams, you know, having pretty potent offenses. So the Buffalo's path, is pretty solid, I guess I, I would say, heading into next weekend, as long as they can get by this this opening weekend matchup with the Colts. It's funny, like I I like Pittsburgh against Cleveland next week. I think that they can they can win that game at home. Uh, I think Ben Roethlisberger basically getting two weeks to prepare, watching them up close uh, from the sidelines, almost like a week of uh, scouting. He got to do this week, not playing. Um, although Mason Rudolph 300 yard game today, might he might give them a better chance with the way that Ben's been playing at points this year. Just kidding. Um, but I, here's the thing. I look, I think if you're a Bills fan, you like the fact that the Ravens and the, and the, and the Titans are going to beat up on each other in wild card uh, round. I, I do think that there's some challenges to playing the Colts. I think that, you know, you look at, if you could find a weakness for the Bills, it, it at times has been their run defense this year. Now, they pose a real threat with their interior. I mean, uh, Quentin Nelson is an absolute mauler. And I know they lost Anthony Costanzo, but they're still going to be able to run the ball effectively, which then puts the pressure on the Bills to score points. The quicker and more you score points on a team like the Colts, the bigger of a bind that you put them in because they can't rely on that running game. Like 250 yards on the ground for Taylor today that is great. Like great story for the rookie. I don't see that happen. I mean, that happened against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think they're going to be able to do that necessarily against this Bills defense that is going to go into next week very, very healthy at all three levels. And I think they tackle better. They, uh, they're they tackling better in the secondary, which I think that when you're running back, a good running back like Jonathan Taylor gets past that first level, you need to make sure that you're tackling. I think that's one of the areas that they've 
maybe improve the most on collectively as a defense is getting to the ball carrier and tackling. Uh, there's not a, nearly as many missed tackles as there were back when they played the Chiefs and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had that big game. Yeah, yeah. When the Bills had those back-to-back losses against the Titans and the Chiefs, tackling was one of the big issues in those losses. Uh, they couldn't stop Derrick Henry. They couldn't stop Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The tackling's improved, and like you said, uh, Jonathan Taylor, great performance today. Outstanding running back. Uh, a guy that uh, should have been on every team's radar this year in terms of teams looking for a running back. He he was the uh, premier guy in this year's draft class. He's looking like it, but. Even looking at his performance today, it wasn't until he had a, a late, I think it was like a 47-yard touchdown to really seal the game. Mm-hmm. That was still a one-possession game up until that point, late in the fourth quarter against the team that's going to be drafting Trevor Lawrence You know, with the first overall pick in the 2021 draft. So if Jacksonville, with Mike Glennon, can hang with the Colts, I think that's a good sign for Buffalo. Now, again... Buffalo is going to have to come in and show that they can keep playing at this level come playoff time. You know, they got up to a 16 nothing lead last year and then things fell apart on them. Put the, the foot on the gas pedal, get those points early, force the Colts to have to throw more, and then, you know, see what can happen in terms of creating those turnovers. But right now, Buffalo is just on a roll. You look at these last three games, especially 56 points today against the uh, Dolphins, uh, you, you know, they blow out the Patriots the week before. They blow out the Broncos the week before that. They are scoring at a high level right now, and you'd like to think that that's going to continue here next weekend. A lot of comments here on Kenny Stills, and he you posted a story on him. He was very excited about what he saw out of this Bills offense today. Uh, I think he, uh, his one tweet, tweet was sheesh. And rightfully so, because, I mean, the, the kind of production that they had, even when Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and John Brown left the game, was was really impressive. Um, it, you know, I guess let's get into what what we think in terms of how this offense can look and what, what kind of role Kenny Stills can play. I think that he's a playmaker, and I think um, – he offers you some depth. I think it's going to take some time, first and foremost. If you think it, if you're thinking that Kenny Stills is going to walk in the door, even a veteran like himself, eight eight ish nine ish seasons in the NFL here, um, he's played for the Saints, the Dolphins, and the Texans. Um, if you think he's going to walk in here, get three practices this week, get up to speed on the playbook, and and be a big time contributor in, in the wild card game, I I just don't see that necessarily. I think he is more, you know. Uh, not only do they want to get him in the in the building, get a look at him now, you know, he might be a more affordable option than maybe some other players next year. I believe Isaiah McKenzie is a free agent next year, isn't he? I believe it was just a one-year minimum deal that he signed this offseason right. after the draft. I, yeah. I think he's made himself some money. I think he might have priced himself out of Buffalo with just the what he's done so far this season. I, I don't want to, you know, bum anybody out by any stretch of the imagination, but a game like this today against a defense the caliber of the Miami Dolphins who were playing for the playoff for him to go out there score three touchdowns uh show his versatility with what he can do at, on special teams you know he might be getting paid next year and you know you think about what John Brown is making and you know what they can do there i think Kenny Stills this is kind of an audition get him in the room see what he can do he's almost a younger version of John Brown in some ways i believe so uh i don't know if the speed necessarily is is exactly the same but I don't see basically long story short from my perspective, and maybe you differ. Um, I don't see a massive role for Kenny stills in the playoff run. I more think that his role will kind of grow 
based on the need or, you know, the situation that the Bills find themselves with potentially with maybe injuries. No, I do agree with that, but I, I think you can still put them out there for a handful of snaps next week if you want to and say, listen, you're going long. And if Josh Allen sees you, you've beaten your guy and it's one-on-one, you know, you might get the ball thrown your way. He's not going to come in with a limited number of practices and know all the ins and outs of this offense. You're not going to want to give him 20, 30 reps on offense when you have John Brown, Stefan Diggs, possibly Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, who showed he could step up today, Gabriel Davis. But if he can come in, especially with fresh legs, maybe in the second half of that game when, when you've had these defensive backs that have been running around all game long and, and you utilize him as a, a mismatch of sorts, absolutely. But you're right. Get him in the door. See what he can do. Uh, maybe it, it's pretty much an audition for him on and off the field at this point for, for 2021. And, and with this small sample size, if he can impress the brass on the practice field, in the locker room, and then given some opportunities in these playoff games, uh, then yeah, maybe, maybe he is an option going forward. And on McKenzie, there's a lot of teams that, that are going to be looking for a slot receiver that won't be breaking the bank. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to be looking for more than what he made this year in Buffalo, but he's going to be in, in demand. Like you said, he's shown that he, he's grown as a player. He's not just a gadget guy anymore, and he can help you on returns as well as you saw today. So uh, explosive playmaker. He, there's going to be some teams that want him and, you know, not trying to, to spoil the party too much here because we want to be in the, the present talking about the playoffs, but you know, maybe Brian Dable signs him wherever he lands as mm-hmm. a head coach, because I think he will be somewhere as a head coach next year. And, and why not bring a guy like that along with you that, you know, can contribute that knows your system in your playbook. So uh, definitely you have to be thinking ahead in these situations. And Kenny Stills is a guy that you're thinking ahead with. If you're, if you're an owner, and you're, if you're a Jets owner or the the, or the Texans owner or the Chargers owner and you're watching these Bills, these last few Bills games, are you not just sitting there just envisioning the possibilities of what Brian Dable can do in an offense with Justin Herbert or um, Deshaun Watson? Or even, you know, if the Jets don't go quarterback, if they do decide to stick with Sam Darnold or whatever the case may be, I mean... That that's going to be a whole nother like interesting offseason uh AFCE storyline to follow. I mean, if you're the Jets and you want to build around uh, around Sam Darnold, what better route to go than to try to convince Brian Dable to come and do that? And there might be a track there because you know Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are so close. I'm sure that you know Brian Dable's familiar uh, with Sam Darnold's situation and what he can do and what he can't do, all those kinds of things. You know, there's so many interesting options for Brian Dable, and I think that he really has, with the way this season has gone, he's kind of earned the almost maybe the pick of what he wa- what situation he wants to land in. Yeah, totally agree with that. You look and the Bills are breaking records every which way this season. Josh Allen, single season uh, passing yards. You saw him pass Jim Kelly for total touchdowns. Uh, you saw Stefan Diggs in year one become the NFL's reception and receiving yards leader. Uh, and because of their performances, Tyler Bass as a rookie, the kicker sets the points record for the Bills with eight extra points today. It, it's just all across the board. The, the Bills are playing at a high level. So like you said, that goes back to Brian Dable. and he doesn't get full credit for developing Josh Allen. Obviously Allen does a, puts in a lot of work in the off season with Jordan Palmer. Uh, Ken Dorsey deserves some say there. And obviously Allen himself putting in the work, putting working on the mechanics and, and things like that. But you look and you say, okay, 
he knows how to play to the quarterback strength. I, I think even last year, Josh Allen's second year, the, the stats weren't gaudy, but he went to Allen's strengths, running the ball, what kind of you know routes uh, he was able to, to hit the, the most. He was playing to the strengths of his quarterback. And now you see all these openings up and he can do wonders for a Deshaun Watson, a guy who on his own can carry, has shown he can carry the team. You watch that game today, there wasn't a ton of talent around him. Uh, Brendan Cooks is a very good wide receiver still, but it's pretty, you know, bare there. And they're going to be hurting draft wise, losing that first round pick as well. But Brian Dable could do a lot with a guy like that, Justin Herbert. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, the list goes on and on with some of these young quarterbacks. So he can bring that quarterback along, not expecting them to be uh, a top two, top three guy in year one necessarily, whether it's a rookie or, or someone who has some experience. But as they get more comfortable with one another, have that player play at an MVP type level. You know, Josh Allen, um, you know, my takeaway from his press conference today, I talked a little bit about, you know, him already but there's a real swagger going on with josh all of a sudden like you could see the way that he's playing the game right now and the weapons that he has around him that there's this kind of quiet confidence that you know no matter what's going on in the game i and and we we can really track it back we were talking about it in the the san francisco 49ers game where you know, it, it, they he came out in that game on Monday Night Football and looked absolutely unfazed about the fact that he was staring across the, the field at Richard Sherman, one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game, coming back healthy, a really good defense in San Francisco. Robert Salah, the defensive coordinator there that was getting all of this uh, national attention all week is one of the, you know, rising coaches in the league. And he just went out there and he and he was surgical. And we've seen that continue over the last couple of weeks. And I think that that to me is the, is the biggest piece of all of this is that you have the weapons, you have the play caller, you have the defense, you have all of this, but it does come down to quarterbacks and he is playing so confidently anything that he does. I mean, the, some of the throws he even made today are, are throws that you only make when you are, you're feeling yourself in some kind of way. Yeah, you know, confidence is one hell of a drug. I think that's the saying. And he, he has every right to be playing at that, you know, the level he is because he is so confident. We've seen it as the season's gone on week after week after week, his stat lines, the gaudy 300, 400 yard stat lines, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. Uh, you saw him, and it wasn't a huge run, but he had two defenders around him and he kind of paused for a second and then took off and he, and he left two Dolphins defenders in their tracks early in that game. Right now, for the most part, he can do no wrong. And that's why he's in the MVP conversation. That's why the Bills are 13-3 and for the first time in a long time. It's why they're the number two seed, and they are a serious Super Bowl contender. And, Michael, I, I see you yelling at us in the comments here, all caps and whatnot, but talking about Brian Dable and where he could go and talking about all these other scenarios, it's because of how good this current team is. So, yes, we are talking a little bit into the future, that we're also talking about how good the bills are now and what the effects are of that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these running backs a little bit, because, you know, we mentioned Antonio Williams already on the, uh, on the show and he, he did have himself a great game and he took advantage of the opportunities. He punched it in when he was, uh, he's a physical runner. I love the way that he still moves his feet. Uh, you know, when it looks like he's got one or two guys already wrapped up on him. I don't necessarily think that that was going to be enough to bench Devin Singletary or, 
um, Zach Moss, but I, I saw a funny meme that I think it was, I think it was Bruce exclusive, uh, Bruce Nolan, uh, over on our buddy over at Buffalo rumblings that tweeted the meme, the guy holding the girl's hand and looking back. And the, the, the person was that he was holding the hand, it said Christian Wade. And the person he was looking at was uh, Antonio Williams. I thought that was funny because, you know, there has been a little bit of a, you know, a push for like, all right, let's get Antonio Williams into the game. Let's get him some, let's get him some, some carries in the, in the playoffs. And the story of Antonio Williams is, is phenomenal. I mean, a guy that has just worked his butt off all year long on and off the practice squad as the bills have had to kind of maneuver that you could tell they liked him all year to your point that they kept bringing him back and, and doing good by him. And, but I, I think that, I think that there's there's still there's faith in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, and I think because of the shift of the in the identity of the team, they've kind of had a better season than I think anybody really understands. I mean, they're they're still averaging around four and a half a carry at the end of the day, and I think that's it's sometimes difficult when you're not really getting any kind of um, rhythm based sustained activity to to produce at, at the kind of level that Singletary produced at last year. I think that just that's just kind of the way the offense has matured and, and evolved. Yeah, you know, Antonio Williams, like you said, phenomenal story. Former four-star recruit, uh, started out at Ohio State, didn't get the opportunities that he was envisioning. He goes off to UNC, uh, almost averages six yards per carry, but goes undrafted. Um Long term, and I, and I did like what, like you said, Bruce exclusive there. Bruce Nolan shared with uh, the, the Christian Wade uh, obsession now going to Antonio Williams. But Williams can play in this league, uh, not just as a running back. He was a, a special teams MVP for North Carolina last year, so he can contribute in that regard too. So there is a path for him to have a long-term future here. Now, can, can he unseat? Uh, a guy like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, short-term, absolutely not. But, you know, long-term, stranger things have happened. The, the Bills, though, when they have had to run the ball these last few weeks, especially during this run, they, they've done very well. There was the seven-minute drive in prime time where Zach Moss was a bowling ball and he kept moving the chains. And, and Moss has been really good in that regard, in fact, uh, as of late. Devin Singletary can still make you miss. So the, the running game, you know, they may not have a Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. They may not have a Derrick Henry-type back. But they have guys that can be effective, that can move the chains, and can contribute when called upon. Um, another cool thing on Antonio Williams, when he was caught initially at the end of training camp uh, and with no preseason, he actually went back to North Carolina for a minute. He was going to be their running back coach, right? Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, a couple weeks later, he, you know, the opportunity came up and he came back to Buffalo and he's just been working his butt off all year long. I mean, it's such a tough life as an undrafted guy going through that process, especially when it doesn't work the first time around. And, you know, we've seen some great stories like look at Cam Phillips. Remember him? He was, you know, receiver, the bill, a couple of training camps with the Bills, uh, had a couple of really good preseasons, I thought just never could stick on. Then he goes and he just absolutely shines in the XFL has himself. Maybe he might be like in the, in the conversation for MVP of that league goes and lands with the Carolina Panthers. I believe it was for, you know, training camp and he's not in the league right now. He didn't make it. So many guys kind of go through, you know, the, the grind of it and, and, and the stories don't end, you know, well, a lot of the times and, and well, I mean, it just, they just don't make it. And, so I think 
first and foremost, Antonio Williams hats off to him for the way that he's persevered through this. Um, but also there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. And to your point, there might be a real future for him in this league, if not with the bills somewhere. Yeah. Uh, not only did he go into North Carolina running backs coach, he was even looking into a, a post playing career in NASCAR at one point saying, you know, anyone mm. have any connections there? Uh, so you're right. There's so many players that probably could play in this league, but they just never get the opportunity. The timing's not right. The opportunity is not right. They bounce around for so long that 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 opportunity just never comes. And that's the unfortunate part of this game. There's only so many opportunities. There's only so many spots. Uh, And when the XFL comes back in a few years, maybe uh, having a a league like that can really shine the light on these guys that aren't getting the proper opportunities. But, you know, Williams, to his credit, he stuck around. He hung around and first rush of his career, 18 yards. Uh, Then he scores twice. He he rumbles for 20 yards on a reception, has, uh, you know, a, a... statement game in his first opportunity and matt i just got an email first line of the game has been released the bills are a seven point favorite against the colts well there you have it breaking news ryan talbot we got to get something up on the on the website there on that so we might we're gonna have to get going here pretty soon but we're gonna keep it going because listen this is a huge this is a huge day in bill's history i mean this i think Deion dawkins said it really well it was a little bit a little bit odd because he said you know I got to bring up the exact quote here because I, I thought it was so interesting. Uh, it, I tweeted it out. I tweeted out a story and uh, he had some, he, Deion Dawkins, I think in my opinion, is one of the f- funnest guys to talk to on the team. Uh, he was asked about what it means to sweep the AFC East. And he said, you know, and to go into the playoffs and win 13 games uh, for the third time in, in franchise history, which ties a franchise mark. We don't have to get in on anybody's back or anybody's pigtail. I think he might have meant to say like coattails, but whatever. <laughs> it could be a pigtail. Maybe, maybe you know, you just you know grab onto the pigtail and and I, I don't know. It, it was it was an awesome quote though. Um, or receive anybody's blessing. This is all our doing, and it is. This is all they're doing. I mean, li- Ryan, listen to some of these these franchise marks here. Franchise record for points in a season five hundred and one. Franchise record for touchdowns in a season sixty. And they finished the season leading the AFC in scoring 31.3 points per game. That is up over 10 points, 11.7 points per game up on last year's total. And they have finished the month of December with a plus 79 point differential, with which led the entire NFL. So really, I mean, point differential is the name of the game. There's been no better team in the NFL than the Buffalo Bills in December. They're literally going into the playoffs as the league's best team playing at, at a level that, you know, even you, know, you think back to the Super Bowl days and, and, I, and you know, it gets foggy and you, you remember the losses more than anything else. But this is the closest, this is without a shadow of a doubt, the closest thing to that offense that's ever been in Buffalo since. Yeah, and you look at what Deion Dawkins said today. Sean McDermott has sent this team to the playoffs three of his first four seasons as head coach, which is quite the accomplishment after such a, a long playoff drought in Buffalo. But the first year they back in uh, really probably didn't have business making the playoffs, but the, the, the Bengals have that miracle play against the Ravens and, and the Bills get in. You know, last year they, they handled their own business. They clinched a spot on their own on Sunday night football, but they still weren't. Uh, a serious contender. They were a team, a feel-good story, a team maybe that could could win a game, uh, maybe two, but they weren't. They were never considered a, a serious Super Bowl contender at that point. This team is a legitimate 
Super Bowl contender. Now it's up to them to back, you know, back that up in the playoffs after such a phenomenal run to end the regular season. But you mentioned it. They're scoring points at will over these last final four or five weeks of the regular season, undefeated since their bye week. Uh, beating some really good defenses along the way, mind you, and not just beating them, but but just dominating them. 400, 500 yards, uh, 30, 40, 50 points in, in these games. So offense is clicking. The defense is playing better football. You saw what they did today uh, without two of their, their starting defensive ends, without their number one cornerback. You get those guys in the mix next weekend. You still incorporate some of these younger guys that you've brought along, and the, the Bills can really make some noise for the first time in a long time. Do you have odds on Coach of the Year right now off the top of your head? Uh, not in front of me. It, it was down to Flores and McDermott as the favorites entering this game, though. They were the two favorites, and, and you know, no offense to Flores. He did a nice job. I don't see how you can, in your right mind, say that he is more deserving than McDermott. You have a, a team that had a great season, but they're missing the playoffs. They get blown out in a must-win game, essentially. And then you have McDermott, who's led them to a 13-win season, Really could have been a 14-win season if not for a Hail Mary you know, against the Cardinals, but maybe that game turned everything around for them in terms of putting the pedal to the metal and really blowing some of these teams out. So maybe that was a blessing in disguise. Uh, McDermott outcoached Flores today in every phase of the game. Offense, defense, special teams, you name it. How you can go to Flores, I don't know. You know, Flores, he's accelerated that turnaround, that rebuild of the Miami, but they also went out and they added a lot of expensive free agents this year. You added a Byron Jones at the time. He was the highest paid cornerback in the league at the time of that deal. You had Shaq Lawson, $10 million per year. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts. Uh, and, and not all these guys were getting these premier break-the-bank deals, but a lot of them did. And, and to a lesser expent, uh, extent, uh, Emmanuel Agba. So they, were, they went out and they really spent a lot of money in free agency to speed up the process. And it paid off, but it didn't play off, uh, pay off in a playoff appearance. So... At the end of the day, Sean McDermott should run away with this award, in my opinion. Yeah, I was looking for odds on here, and I couldn't um, find it. I wanted to give the, maybe the top three or four candidates. But to me, I, I think what Sean McDermott has done in in you know a four-year window with a franchise that was in the, the state that it was when he arrived, <clears throat> you know, 17-year playoff drought, all that, has been exceptional. And I think that what he's also done this year is, you know, Kansas City has won more games. I, I, how many games did Green Bay end up winning? Is it 13? Uh, I think 13 off the top of my head, but I couldn't <clears throat> find 14. I, I don't I didn't check and see that off the top of my head. I, I think just the, the development of Allen into an MVP candidate, you know, of course, Brian Dable gets probably a bigger chunk of the credit uh, when it comes to that. I mean, he's working with him every day. It's his offense. Um, but I think that the culture that Sean McDermott has implemented here and also the belief in the quarterback and, and the way that they went about it, drafting him, you know, I, I think both of them have readily admitted that they didn't, they should have put somebody in place to kind of maybe cushion that, that early part of the, of his career a little bit better, but you, you let him play, you let him go through his struggles and you did everything you can as an organization from Brandon Bean to Sean McDermott to insulate around him and give him the tools to become the best version of himself. And this is 
they the way they built this team. I mean, I I think Brandon Bean is a, a shoe in for executive of the year. I mean, if he doesn't win it, I, I think they're doing it wrong the way that this thing has been built uh, from the from from the ground up, and to have the Bills be a Super Bowl, you know, favorite, you know, by a lot of experts. There's just so many things that have gone into the way that this season has played out, and some of the things that players say. Um, you know, I think Stefan Diggs' season is a feather in Sean McDermott's cap because look at the guy goes out last year. He has a, a, a terrific season and is is kind of bashed for being this diva, you know, distraction and skipping out in practice. And the I think Sean McDermott deserves a bit of the credit for the um, Stefan Diggs deserves all most of the credit, but I think St- McDermott deserves some of it too that he's provided an environment for Stefan Diggs to excel in and blossom in. And it, it, there's just so many pieces to this that I think scream McDermott. Yeah. You know, McDermott and Bean and, and, and to a, a larger extent, Bean staked their jobs on drafting Josh Allen. Josh Allen was considered a high ceiling prospect who was extremely raw. And to take that uh, him when they did trading up for him twice, mind you, uh, to get to that spot, you you know, in NFL, there's not a lot of job security year to year. That pick carried a lot of risk. And now, three years later, look at where the Bills are. They are a Super Bowl contender because they built around Josh Allen. They developed Josh Allen. Brandon Bean goes out and he trades for a Stefan Diggs, and a big part of that is probably conversations with Sean McDermott, where McDermott says. You know, we can we can develop that trust. We can develop that relationship and bring him in here. And we know he's going to be the very best version of himself. Something we've heard McDermott say about his his players and what they look for in guys. And Brent uh, and you know, to Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott's credit, Stefan Diggs ends up leading the league in receptions and receiving yards in his first year in Buffalo. So they're hitting on draft picks. They're hitting on these trades. They're bringing guys along. They're developing a roster with a mix of young and old talent. That's They have the right mix. We talked about this on, on a previous show. For every veteran, there's a young guy that's kind of waiting in the wings or that's contributing. There's just such a good mix here across the board in all these positions that that is how you, you bring a team along. You don't go with the crazy... Uh, highly paid veterans across the board because then you run out of cap space. You can't just go with all rookies because you need that leadership. This combination of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott has found that right mix of, of players, prospects, and vets that has really brought this team along at a significant pace over these last three years. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook shared a, a South Florida Sun Sentinel story uh, about the game today as a column, a bad Dolphins day, an ugly finish, and now an offseason riddle about to his future quarterback. And the, in the description of the share, it's like, you know who should be the Dolphins quarterback? Ryan Tannehill. And it's funny, how how much has he just absolutely – you know, he is a great example, Ryan Tannehill. We got to get going. I don't want to get too much into the weeds here. Um on this, but Ryan Tannehill is a great example of sometimes it's great to, to have patience and not overreact and maybe puts, find the proper place for the blame when a a quarterback or a player is not developing the way that you want them to. Sometimes it's on the coaching staff and, you know, obviously Adam Gase absolutely screwed all that up. And, um, 
which is not shocking because he's he's done the same thing in New York, which is on the Jets for hiring him. That's a whole other conversation altogether. Um, I have a a second screen coming, uh, a monitor that I'm very excited for to add to my little um, new office down here. And tomorrow morning, all that is going to be on it when it gets delivered from Amazon is Tennessee or is uh, Indianapolis Colts games. So we can break that down for you this week. We're going to have two big podcasts this week, Wednesday, I think, but it might be, it might end up being Tuesday and Thursday, depending on when the bills game is announced. If it's a Saturday game, we might want to give a, a little leeway. Go, we'll go to, we'll go Tuesday, Thursday for a Saturday game or Wednesday, Friday for a Sunday game. So stay tuned for that. You'll, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, subscribe, Turn on those notifications because, and of course, smash that like button. I never say it. That's the that's the thing that you're supposed to say on 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 YouTube. Make sure you you like our video. We it really helps us out as we try to you know drive awareness to the show. You guys are great uh, on YouTube. So many great comments and interactions. We want to grow it more and, and and make the conversation even bigger. Uh, but do that there, and it'll ping you every time we go live on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, which is you know where a lot of folks are there are watching now, and of course on Twitter. Video is great. We love these live shows, but head over to the, all the audio platforms because sometimes we just went 70 minutes here, Ryan. Maybe you came in late and I saw some late questions about who do you think the toughest matchup is on the Colts? Well, if, you, if, you, if you're subscribed on uh, the audio platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those, you'll get it right to your phone after the show ends. You can download it and then kind of fast forward through it, listen to it at your discre discretion. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out. I'm doing the full sales pitch here right now because, you know, listen, the shout football podcast. I saw another comment in here. Big week last week, Ryan, 18 million views. I think uh, on that Logan, Logan Paul clip with uh, Dana white, you know, a lot of eyes on the shout football podcast. So we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, generate uh, the interest uh, obviously uh, because it's such a fun and unique show that, that kind of lets us all interact together. Yeah, I, I love the interaction part of it. You know, we do read the comments on the side. We can't get to everything. Uh, I've seen a few recent comments. When do we know when the, when they will play? Probably around halftime of the Sunday night game. That's generally when they make the announcements. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll have something up on the site as soon as we know. Uh, you will absolutely know. So kind of stay tuned there. But, yeah, we love this environment. So thank you for coming in. Thank you for interacting with us. And like Matt said, if you're, you know, you missed any portion of it, head over to all those podcast platforms, rate, subscribe and review. There it is. The Buffalo Bills finished the 2020 season 13 and three for just the third time in franchise history. 56. What was it? 56 to 26, 30 point drubbing of the dolphins. And for those old school bills fans, those ones that goes, those ones that are a little older, Go back to the 90s. Remember when that was the the pinnacle uh, rivalry in Bill's uh, nation at the time. That, that's got to feel pretty sweet for those for those fans that you know still hold that that rivalry to be uh, close to their heart. Six and zero in the division. We will be we'll be back on either Tuesday or Wednesday. Stay tuned uh, on all the channels. We'll announce on our our social channels as well. Trying to put together a couple big shows for you guys this week. Enjoy it. You've earned it all these years waiting for a contender and you got one here uh, for ryan talbot i'm matt perino we'll see you real soon take care everyone ready for football with every game a home game tops is ready for you with its tv a day giveaway for six weeks every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70 inch 4k tv 